Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. Luke chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 9, says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So no group really tangled uh, with Jesus as often or as violently as the Pharisees did. Um, And that's a weird statement to make because if you were living as a Jew in this time, the Pharisees would have been considered the cream of the cream of the religious crop. Uh, Dad mentioned this last week, um, how, how amazing some of the things that they did. And, and they, were, they were the most passionate and devoted in terms of, of keeping the law. And, and they would go beyond uh, what they had to do, and they would do more in order to try and please God. And, and in this story... It's not the zeal of the Pharisees that Jesus critiques. It's the way that their mentality affects their reception of him and of others. So why is it important to talk about the Pharisees here? Um, and the reason is that if, if Jesus is getting on to these people all the time and he's frustrated with them, then we don't want to be, we don't want to be those people. The Pharisees approached religion in a way that, that angered Jesus many times. The Pharisees were extremely zealous for the law, and, and, and they wanted to follow it. And I think we as image bearers of God and people who, who want to do the right thing, we tend, to, we tend to be this way as well because we gravitate towards rules. We want to follow and know our Bible. We want to know the book. And there is a danger that in our search to please God, that we can become like the Pharisees in that way. So let's talk about, let's talk about the Pharisees' heart and what they were thinking about and what they were passionate about. Starting again in verse 9 here, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, so this Pharisee's message is, I am better than other people. He, he doesn't say that explicitly, but it is what his thoughts would indicate. And here in verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Sorry, storm, what is storming outside? Uh, so he, in verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. So the first thing to notice is that his prayer 
doesn't have anything to do with God. Um, and he says, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So he says, he says, I'm not like, I'm not like these people that are known for their sin. I'm a, I'm a good person. In verse 9, he says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So Jesus shows us that the Pharisee is guilty of what he's going to call exalting himself. In verse 14, he says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This has to do with the heart of, of these two men. In, in Matthew chapter 3 here, we see this, this typical Jewish pharisaical mentality. And, and John the Baptist exposes their hearts when they came to see him in this, in this story. In chapter 3, starting in verse 7, he says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John knows their tendency is to say, We are better because we belong to Abraham's race. God blessed Abraham and, and God blessed his people. And therefore, God blessed us. We're better than everyone else. In the New Testament, Jewish Christians had, they have trouble thinking that Gentile Christians are acceptable because of this mentality. But the failure of this way of thinking is that they forget that God did not choose them because of anything they did, but because of what he did. He blessed them. But there is this tendency to, to forget that and to say, because I'm blessed, because I've been blessed, I'm a little better than you. And this crept into how they interacted with, with God. So Matthew chapter 23 here is, is a climactic point in Jesus' confrontation with the Pharisees. Jesus has, Jesus has a come to Jesus with the Pharisees. <laughs> we often say that. He lets the Pharisees have it, and he doesn't, he doesn't hold back any punches here. Uh, starting in verse 1, he says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So Jesus says, Watch out for the Pharisees. Listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. They don't, they don't practice what they preach. In, in verse 4 at the end, he says, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So they'll preach a blistering sermon on how you need to change. But they won't do anything about that themselves. They think they're above, above the rules. And the Pharisees divided the world into two groups of people, uh, the righteous people and, and the sinners. And, and in the Pharisees' mind, it never occurs to him that 
that they could ever be in the class called the sinners. That was for the tax collectors, that was for the prostitutes and the evil people, but not me. I belong over here in the, in the righteous category. And Jesus says, whoever exalts himself, though, will be humbled. So, so let's apply that to ourselves for a moment. It is easy for us in times of insecurity about how we are doing spiritually to look around and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as, as that guy. Or we might look around um, at, at another religious group and say, at least we're not teaching anything close to, to that nonsense. And we begin, to, we begin to take our sense of justification from the fact that somebody else is struggling, right? That's our focus. And, and anytime we take comfort in the fact that other people do things that are wrong, well, we're becoming like Pharisees in that way. And the focus of our heart at that moment is on ourselves and how we are just a little bit better. The second point is, is that the Pharisee, uh, he, thinks that he thinks he knows the truth. And back in Luke 18 here in verse 9, he says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So they trusted themselves. There was a need for righteousness before God, but the Pharisee said, I am righteous of my own self. I know what's true and what's right, and I'm living by it. I know I'm good enough because I know the truth. I know what God wants, and I know what he's expecting because I know and I keep the law. So the Pharisees' stubbornness of what they felt was the truth led them to say that there is, there is no way, there is no one in heaven or on earth that can convince me that I might be wrong. My understanding of the truth is so right and it's, it's so perfect that it cannot even be challenged. I refuse to hear that. Um, in John chapter 9, sorry here, I... I missed a scripture here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read another one here that I didn't have on on the uh, PowerPoint. John chapter seven here, starting in verse forty-five. Uh, I can't believe I missed that. See, I am fallible. All right, that was, yeah. So John chapter 7, starting in verse 45, it says, The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? So, so they had told these guys to go bring Jesus to, to them, back to them. The officers answered, No one has ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the, of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus who, had gone before, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. In that, so in that, in that scripture, can you hear the disdain in their tone? First of all, you know, they are, they are in shock that these officers wouldn't, they wouldn't arrest an innocent man just because they told them to. And how could that be? Don't you understand? You know, you had orders. Um, it's beyond annoying to them that there is an explicit acknowledgement here in this scripture that some people do believe in Jesus. Um, here in verse 47, they say, have you also been deceived? And in verse 48, 
Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? So this is the real question that they're wanting to, to get across is, has any of us believed? Of course not. So we are the ones who really matter here. We are the ones who are better than everybody else. We are the ones who know the truth. And uh, verse 49 is where it really comes across. He says, this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. You know, they're saying, you guys think Jesus might be the Messiah because you don't know the truth. We said no, so why is there even a debate? Nicodemus, so Nicodemus here, he stands up to them in verse 51. He says, he says can we really do this? Shouldn't we consider hearing what he has to say? And they turn on Nicodemus at, at that point. And, and they say, even if you're right, we don't want to hear it. Even if the people are right, we don't want to hear it. They don't know the law anyway. They're deceived, and they just throw out accusation after accusation because they don't want to even consider that they might not be right. That's just not a possibility in their heads. Okay, so, sorry. John chapter 9 here. Uh, the Pharisees are in a similar position in this story. They're dealing with a man who was born blind that Jesus has healed. And they're fumbling around trying to figure out what in the world has happened, right? So, starting in verse 15, I have that right. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed it and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a, who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received a sight until they called the parents of the man who had received a sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? This is a hilarious chapter, really, if you, if you read it. It's full of sarcasm and it's full of jokes. The Jews just can't believe that this guy was healed, and they, and they call his parents. And his parents are terrified because they, they're terrified of being thrown out of the synagogue, and, and they admit that he's their son, but that's all that they'll admit to. And it's comical because, because nobody is really interested in actually figuring out what really happened or if Jesus was the Messiah. And they finally call the actual formerly blind man, who no one seems to be to care of inquiring of. And in verse, uh, in verse 24, he says, it says, So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner... I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you, do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? So here, verse 34 is, is the Pharisee mentality you can't teach us you know do you know who we are they believed he was blind because he had been they believed he had been born into sin they can't even hear what the blind man is saying 
even though he's right. They think that they know the truth and that there is no way that they will listen to any other option. So going down to verse 39 of chapter 9, he says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Jesus says the problem is that you think you see. If you knew you were blind, you would ask somebody for help to help you see. But you already think you see, so nobody can help you. And there's something here that's important for us to learn. And and that's the fact is that God is right and God reveals truth to us. And we learn truth from God and we learn truth from his word. But what happens here is that the Pharisees take it an extra step and they say, I am now right. It's dangerous because uh, it's dangerous when we, we begin to lose the connection back to God. It's dangerous when we begin to think I'm right because I'm me and I know God and I don't need anyone else's help. And we can tend to bring this into, and we tend to bring this into other places and not just into following the Bible. We can bring it into our politics. We can bring it into our, our sports. We can bring it into anything into our lives, this attitude. And we need to be very careful about maintaining that connection with God. And to be clear, it's not wrong to pursue truth. It's not wrong to know, to know it. But the danger is that it it can lead to the same kind of hardness and stubbornness that the Pharisees had where where no one can convince us that we might be wrong. Uh, You know, our perception of truth should always have the foundation that God is never wrong. But that doesn't mean that I may not be wrong. And that's a thought that the Pharisees could not entertain. But if, if we know the truth, then we have nothing to fear from listening to any and everyone who might have any thought to present to us. At best, it will, ha- it will help enhance my understanding of the truth. And at worst, it needs to be dismissed as untrue. I have nothing to fear. If I know the truth, then that will only help me. Uh, James, brother of Jesus here, chapter one of his book in uh, verse 19, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I I have often wondered if James had in mind the heated interactions between Jesus and the Pharisees when he wrote this. Um, You know, so maybe I'm not right. Unlike God, we are, in fact, like I said, I am fallible. We are fallible. And maybe somebody else might know better than me. That's the mentality the Pharisee could never have. If we want to avoid being that way, we, we have to learn to listen with an open mind to everything. Or as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. So do we have the truth here in the word of God? Absolutely we do. But maybe in our wording to those who are seeking Christ, we should say that we are seeking the truth. Um, we should say, we should say that because I, I say that because our pursuit in our knowledge of Christ is never ending, right? That's why we're here. 
We are seeking the truth, and it's never something that we stop seeking. We never just say, um, I have the truth, and, and it's over, the end. Uh, it, 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 is, it is a journey that we're on of truth seeking. It is a continual search. Um, the Bereans in Acts searched the scriptures daily, right, to see if what was said was true. They searched the scriptures daily. And that never stops for us. We never reach a point where we say, we've got it all figured out. You know, I, I, if, if, and if we do that, we've, we've, become, we've become the Pharisees. When we say that we know the truth and that's final, we are, in fact, I think, blind. So let's go back to our original scripture here, Luke chapter 18, verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. In verse 11 here, you, you have the things that I don't do. I don't do these things. I'm not, I'm not an, an extortionist or an adulterer or a tax collector. I don't do the bad stuff. And in verse uh, 12, though, he says, I fast twice a week. I, I fast twice as much as most Jews thought was necessary. I go overboard. I give tithes of all that I get. They were serious about their tithing. If asked, though, why a Pharisee had a good relationship with God, they would say, because I'm a good guy. And I'm not like those people, you know. So, I mentioned Matthew chapter 23 is a very pivotal point, pivotal uh, conversation between the Jesus and the Pharisees. And Jesus has some sharp words for the Pharisees in this chapter. Starting in verse 23, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weight of your matters of the law, justice and mercy, mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." In verse 23 here, the Pharisees, uh, they were focused on tithing these tiny little plants, mint and dill and cumin. We've been growing these, these things here, right? Tiny plants. You give one-tenth of these, of these tiny little plants to make sure that God gets his tenth and I get the other nine parts of this tiny little plant. They were so passionate about honoring, honoring God's commandment about tithing, and that, and that was good. The problem is that they neglected the weightier matters of the law. He says, he says, you did the right thing, but you neglected justice and mercy. And he says, faith. I thought that was big. Your heart is in the wrong place. You're missing what God's really concerned about. And and you're doing what's easy. In verse 25, he talks about cleaning the outside of the cup, but inside is rotten. I have vivid memories of washing dishes in Fiji and I was terrible about washing the inside of the cup because I couldn't get my hand in there. And, and, you know, and mom would come behind my dishwashing and say, Matthew, you didn't clean the inside. I was doing what was easy. I was trying to make it look like I did a good job just wash the outside and put it in things. She would look and go, oh, gross, Matthew, wash that again, you know. 
And one time I disobeyed, I was, I had a bad attitude and, and I was supposed to be washing the dishes and I had a bad attitude and mom said, okay, I'll wash them for you, but you need to sit there and watch me wash the dishes. And I had to sit there for like 20 minutes and I was like, no, mom, I'll do it. I'll do it now. And she was like, no, you're going to watch me wash the dishes. That was the worst punishment I had ever had growing up. (laughs) Sorry. That's my, so dishwashing. Yeah. So, so it it might look great outside, right? Because that's the easy part to wash, but cleaning the inside is the hard part. In in verse 25, it says, he says, inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And then in verse 28, within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus says, your heart is the problem. The problem is that you, is not that you don't do the rights, the stuff right. You don't do the stuff right. The problem is that you're still greedy. And you still love the praise of men, and you're still a hypocrite, and you still think that you're that you're better than everybody else. That's the problem. And no amount of no amount of doing the right things is going to make up for that. Jesus wants our service to come from a committed, sincere heart, and we can't think that that we can reverse engineer that so that fixing the outside somehow fixes the inside. He says, "No, cleanse the heart, and the others will follow." So now, what about you and me? Do we just stop doing the right things? Of course not. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Jesus at every step of his ministry says, we need to do the right things with a committed sincerity. But if we only focus on what we do and are never honest about what God really wants and cares about, if we cannot see anything but a comparison of our works to other people's works, we're we're going to be like the Pharisees. Um, the Pharisees were an amazing, committed group who accomplished amazing things in their dedication to God's law. But their fundamental problem was dishonesty. They were dishonest about how they stood with other people. They were dishonest about whether or not whether or not they they were really better than others, dishonest about the truth as they perceived it. They were not going to be honest with the truth, dishonest about their own hearts and what was going on inside of them, not willing to face their own demons of, of self, uh, self-indulgence and greed, as he says. They focused so hard on following the rules that they lost connection to God. And if we're going to avoid being Pharisees, we have to be honest with God, with ourselves, and with other people. We have to tell ourselves the truth about what's going on in our hearts and keep Jesus as our focus at all times, as we always say at the beginning of our fellowships. I think we all tend to be constant recovering Pharisees. And what I mean by that is this. It is so difficult to truly believe that Jesus, when he tells us in his word that we are blameless, it's hard to believe that says you're blameless. And that's hard to, to, to believe. And we constantly question it. So we have a tendency to fix our mistakes by trying to follow the rules again. And, and this leads us into less focus on Jesus and more focus on comparing ourselves with others and their problems. So we're in a constant state of pharisaic, pharisaical behavior, right? Fortunately, we have this example of what not to be like in our pursuit in our pursuit of the wonderful truth of of Jesus Christ.
Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.